So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Sports Edition. And this is going to be Cosmic Queries Grab Bag but a particular kind of grab bag because we're going to think about sports not only on Earth, but off-world. And, of course, I've got with me my co-host, Chuck Nice. Chuck. Hey, Neil, what's happening? Off-world. Right, our professional stand-up comedian who's actually in pretty good physical shape even though you never really did any sports in your life. Is that correct? I mean, I, I have played sports in my life. I just don't talk about the disaster that it was. <laughs> Okay. That's all. <laughs> there it is. Okay. That, that's honest. Right. That's honest. <laughs> and I've got Gary O'Reilly, former soccer pro from the UK. Gary. Hi, Neil. My co-hosts. All right, dudes. Well, so this kind of subject is fun mm. because it involves sort of the physics of sports as played in different sort of gravitational atmospheric environments. And while I can take you some of the way there, when you really want to do it right, we got to go for our geek in chief. And there's only one person with that title in this sector of the universe, perhaps the entire universe, perhaps the multiverse itself. Charles Liu. Charles, welcome back to Star Talk. I'm not worthy. Thank you. Oh, no, no. It's such a pleasure Man. to be back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Man, you know, I, we have to bring you back with enough frequency so that I don't get big-headed about my own geek expertise, <laughs> right? Because after a while, I say, yeah, I got this. I got this. And then you put you in the same room with me, and it's like, no, I don't got this. <laughs> We're in this. We are all in this together, Neil. You have your expertise. I have mine. We no, the together. continuum, <laughs> you, you come in from beyond the horizon of the continuum that I occupy. Let me just say it that way. How's uh, that? For, <laughs> I, I do not know if I agree, but thank you for your kind words. It's always a pleasure to be here and talking about science and sports and literally everything else with you all. Uh, well, every, everything. And uh, Charles is a, a friend and colleague, and he's a, a professor of physics and astronomy at uh, City University of New York on Staten Island. And some people don't know that he was with me 
20 years ago when we were building and finishing the new Hayden Planetarium in Rose Center. Yeah, so he, I was six he, at that time. So <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was being squeezed into the corners to make sure that children couldn't get stuck in the various spaces. Charles Liu, the young Sheldon of the Hayden Planetarium. <laughs> the young Sheldon, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we got you, Charles, here. Yes. And so, but just want to, could you just... Uh, you know, we've got questions from Patreon, which yeah. has been our, our, our sole source. So if you mm-hmm. want to get questions on Cosmic Queries, you can join Patreon for a very low entry level. I mean, we want you to, you know, go a little higher, but entry level gets you, gets you at least this far on it. And so, Charles, you have just an overarching thoughts about sports on Earth versus what might be necessary on other planets, if we were a multi-planet species, for example. Oh, yeah. The basic point is that All human motion is fundamentally pushing against gravity. Everything we do, whether we're walking or we're standing or we're jumping or anything like that, trying to hit a baseball, trying to keep it off the ground, everything is based on gravity when it comes right back down to it. So in the end, if you're in an environment where there is no gravity or microgravity, then your own personal forces take over those activities. Suddenly, your physiology matters way more. Suddenly, the environment in which you are playing, the size, the shape, the speed, all the different things matter. It's going to change sports fundamentally, no matter where we go in the universe, as long as it's not 9.8 meters per second squared acceleration. Wow, so finally mm-hmm. we can play Quidditch in outer <laughs> <laughs> Except that, you know, if you get hit by a bludger, uh, you don't fall. Right. Where are you going to go? Right? Oh, so that that's right. Because if, too. yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. about that because they, even though they're flying around, they're still magically, if they fall off, they fall to the ground. And that, that, that's right. that hurts. There's still, there's still gravity. Still in, gravity is still in play. The play field. Mm-hmm. All right. However, but, if you were playing jetpack quidditch <laughs> and, <laughs> and your broom has its own propulsion, so, um, as in rockets, right? When you do get hit, you'll be knocked off course. You have to correct in order to come back. So, yeah, but you won't. Be, but you, you know. won't fall to the ground. That's right. There no, you go. Well, well, what's yeah. the fun in it if you don't hit the ground? <laughs> as a spectator, I haven't come to see you do quite nicely. I've come to see you go splat. <laughs> Gary, did you just say what is the fun of Quidditch in outer space? <laughs> No, yes, without without the floor to land without, to smash into without falling. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, so Charles, the mm-hmm. the so maybe we're, we're thinking we're too narrow in our thinking. Maybe the sports that we have honed on Earth were conceived in a sort of a one G environment. Maybe yes. if we go to the moon at at, at one sixth gravity or or, or mm-hmm. Mars at at thirty eight percent gravity, maybe we should say. What sports would, can we invent sports that would be best served by those gravitational fields and not try to port something from Earth to these other locations? I agree with you completely. Whole new nice. kinds of sports. I thought I have an argument. You're just, you just agreeing with me, Charles? You're just agreeing? Completely. <laughs> well, on Mars, I know it will be mutant badminton, where your little mutant, like Quato, is the only one actually allowed <laughs> to hold the racket. So, so the little mutant growing out of your chest. I got you. There it is. <laughs> I thought the mutant comes out and does a slow, soft shoe. 
<laughs> well, yeah, but he'd have to use your feet. That's oh. the problem. Oh, no, not again. So, so that's, that's a good way to think about it. Now, so who's got the questions, Chuck? You, do you have the questions from Patreon? Both Gary oh, you and both do. I have questions. Okay, so who goes Patreon. first? Yes. I'll jump in. I'll jump in. William, one of our Patreon patrons. Uh, what elements or considerations would be important for an outer space sport? So we're going to drill a little bit deeper into what we just discussed. He says, I'm guessing it's a he, William, I would love to see an Enders game style arena, but what would really be entertaining to watch people compete at in space? So we've got, again, the entertainment. I need someone to hit the floor. So I when he says space, he means, he, he implies zero G, I think, when he's saying in space, right? And so without the net to save you or no net to not save you, yeah. where, is the, where is the risk factor that we all are going to watch someone defy the risk because due to their expertise? For those people who aren't familiar with Ender's Game, that was a, a novel written by Orson Scott Card a number of decades ago, where to fight an alien menace, a number of children were put into a place called the Battle School. And they were out in space and trying to figure out all kinds of new strategies and methods that the adults put them in. Uh, and it was a little creepy of a book, actually. Um, but it's nevertheless... Chuck, no, I, 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 uh, I knew that. I, I knew everything you just said. I knew that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so <laughs> Mia, of your course, nose has grown by about six inches. No, of course you do. Uh, but but the it was very interesting. Orson Scott Card did a good job trying to imagine what fighting and combat would be like in zero G in a number of those cases. It was later made into a movie with various mm. CGI effects and things like that. I don't know that they did as well as as we would have liked them to. But, but what would be fun in a boxing match if I hit you? We both recoil mm -hmm. from that go contact. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so what we're probably going to be talking about, my guess is that you're, you're going to be thinking much more about uh, evade and capture type games as opposed to retrieving an object type games. Mm -hmm. So football, soccer, baseball, and those kinds of things. You hit a ball, it's going to go everywhere. It's going to, you, know, you just have to go get it, and then there's no air messing with it. The spin will be hard to work with. Um, rather, it'll be like, can you grab that person that's going from point A to point B uh, before the person gets there? Uh, there's probably going to be issues of musculature. Uh, are you going to bounce off the corner? You know, how big is the space going to be? Can you change your position? And then the equipment will matter so much, too. Just as Chuck was saying earlier about jetpacks, right? Uh, if you can't, if as soon as you launch yourself up, in the same way that a basketball player leaving the floor knows where uh, you're coming down, you're going to have to launch yourself and know where you're going to be headed, unless you put some sort of energy or force uh, behind where you're working and what you're doing. Well, it's not only that, Charles. I mean, on Earth, we can move forward or in any direction we choose because yeah. there's friction between us and some other surface that enables that. But right. um, in space, any time you want to change direction, you have to give up some mass in order to do that. Right? You can't just choose right. to change direction. Something has to, has, to, right. has to come out of you so that you recoil in the opposite way with your momentum. And that's the only way you can change direction. Oh, I thought you meant you had to pray in order to change direction. <laughs> oh, mass. Just give, give up some mass. mass. Dominus is bitter okay. too. That, that, that could still happen. Involved. That could I'm still be. Thinking, yeah. yeah. So gymnastics, Charles. Gymnastics. Yeah. I mean, what's the point? If I do a triple somersault, I could do 30 somersaults. And I'll That's just right. keep going. 
until you so gymnastics <laughs> will no longer exist in zero gravity. Right. Well, here's what you would do then, right? You create a circumstance where you have to leave one surface. Maybe you're pushed off of one surface, and before you reach the other surface, then you have to do all your things. The other thing that you could do, though, is you could have magnetized gravity boots. Mm-hmm. So from surface to surface, you know, uh, the magnet is turned off on one, you push off, and then as you go, then it's turned on the other, and it's, that's when it pulls you in sticks. So Right. Well, that becomes like very space, space Pradas. Yeah. Well, wait. So if it's if 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 it's a magnetic stick, then you always stick the landing because you will connect to the magnet. If it's electromagnets that they just turn on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that could be cool too for wrestling. So Neil, think of it like this. Well, I'm asking. I shouldn't say think of it this way because I've never wrestled anybody except my own. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Stand strong, Chuck. (laughs) But, okay, let's say you're Mm -hmm. wrestling, right? So you're on the platform and you have certain points of your body that have magnetized, uh, like, uh, Mm -hmm. like knee pads, Mm -hmm. elbow pads, and your shoes, okay? So while you're wrestling, these are turned on. Okay, the the floor is magnetized. You guys are actually wrestling. But at any point, they can turn it off. Maybe it's on a cycle, so it'll be so Whoa. it'll be very uh fair mm-hmm. to everybody. It's or it's random cycle. You so you have to, random. You've got to do it random. 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 Right? So now how does that change you as a wrestler? Because isn't lefer- isn't leverage everything? Right, and at some points you're going to be floating, and then what move do you have to think of while you're floating, so that when the cycle starts again, you're in a better position yeah. to it's dominate a magnetic your strategies, or what that is all about. Very cool. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I like that. Damn. All right. Well, this whole segment is just about sports and space. So let's keep going. Who's got the next question? Cool. All right. Uh, I guess I'll bring up the next one. This is from Fit Fritz Menzel. Hey, Neil, if there were a zero-gravity sport that involved athletes launching or jumping from one wall of a huge arena to the other, what speed could they reach? What would happen when they hit the <laughs> other wall? <laughs> so, Charles, what's, tell me about the symmetries of jumping uh, okay. and landing in that oh, context. Wow. Uh, let's, let's do the quick calculation, okay? D equals one-half uh-huh. AT squared. A typical athlete can probably jump about what? Two, two meters in the air, five, six feet, if they're really, really accomplished. Uh, so that's if you get lot. your center of mass six feet in the air, that's, that's pretty yeah, but, good. Uh, right? but, but they're so working against gravity. If we're just going to put yourself into motion, yeah. you don't have, that's no, not the right calculation, do I don't is, think. Right. No, no. What I'm trying to do is to figure out how much force and acceleration a typical athlete can create by pushing off. If we're talking okay, about... Okay, so then you get a direct measurement. Earth, okay, right? there you go. Yes, so, direct measurement. So... Uh, two equals uh-huh. one half gt squared, so that's five. Two fifths, point four. What's the square root of point? So four? Point four is point. Um, uh, yeah, it's about yeah. point six, right? Uh, a little bit between point, point six uh-huh. and point seven. So you're going for point uh, six seconds deceleration at ten meters per second. That means you're you're able to launch yourself at approximately six tenths uh, of of gravity, right? Six tenths of a meter per second, okay. something like that. Uh, six meters per second. Right. So you're going six meters per second, and let's say you weigh about 100 kilograms, 220 pounds, something like that. So that's okay. Uh, but the thing is, if I can jump, if I can kilogram, meters if I can per second, propel myself at that speed, 
I will arrive at the yeah. far wall at that very same speed. Uh, no, That's right. So exactly. I'm trying to figure out how much damage you would do to your face. <laughs> That's what. Uh, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the answer is well, I mean, we can do the math specifically, but let's let's just do it intuitively. If I jump at full speed into a wall. Right. Or if I let's say I jump as hard as I can and I'm in a room that's only uh, three inches higher than my head. Think about the the impact that I would feel on my head. Right. Especially if you're if you're face up when that happens. Yeah. You'll basically that's the end of your face. Right. Right. That's right. So it's a lot. I mean, you can really cause yourself serious damage. Right. So what you'd have to do is while you were floating from one surface that you just jumped from to the other, you'd have to somehow turn around so that you landed on your right. feet, and so then you use your, your entire musculoskeletal system to absorb the landing. Absorb, right, right, the shock, shock absorber, absorber. exactly. Right, right. So basically, mm, wow. our sports in zero-G will be performed by cats. <laughs> <laughs> or highly padded humans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, give me another one. That's great. What else you got? Okay. All right, um, okay. Matthew Ritter, I've heard that due to Titan's thick atmosphere and low gravity, that human-powered flight would be possible. Ooh. We'd also be Superman. Ooh, Charles, I had not heard of that. Is it, is the, what's the thickness of Titan's atmosphere? Do you remember? Uh, it's a little bit more than Earth's but, atmosphere. But if it's only a little bit more? Uh, yeah, one point something. Or okay, point something. so it's not like yeah, Venus where it's 100 times our atmosphere. Yeah, uh, no. It's, it's okay, so where do you gain most? Going to holding aside the fact that you'll get vaporized on Venus, uh, ignoring that complication, is the atmosphere thick enough for you to gain lift just by your own uh, strength, or do you have to go to the lower gravity? Because Venus has Earth gravity, or do you have to go to the lower gravity of Titan and take advantage of that fact against the slightly higher uh, density atmosphere? Um, I would go with. I would go to Titan. Uh, the 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 advantage because you realize that Venus's atmosphere is so thick that it's like being down half a mile in Earth's mm. oceans to be at the surface mm-hmm, of Venus, mm-hmm. right? So even our best nuclear submarines have a hard time surviving okay. at that level. Uh, so even if you can build an airplane, you could be crushed like mm-hmm, an egg mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. right? You're much better off in a moderate atmospheric period uh, area. Where and so, if, if to fly, in a, let's just say, for instance, uh, we're somehow adapted to the pressure, right? If you have an atmosphere that thick, do you still need the same aerodynamic uh, lift and everything to fly, or would you be just resting on the actual, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> the actual no, atmosphere? No, to, to, to your point, Chuck, like, it is possible for the atmosphere to be so thick. That you don't have to fly because right. you're just floating okay. in it. That's that's your point. It's <laughs> just floating. Yeah, that's my point. It's like it would be like being ocean, in the, the middle waters, of the ocean. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't have to fly in the ocean. I just float in the ocean. Well, there's a difference between density and pressure in that okay. kind of environment, right? So if something can have high pressure but relatively low density, although there is a relationship, as we all know, the the so-called ideal gas law, right? PV equals nRT. So there is a direct relationship between, well, it's a relationship, I don't want to say direct necessarily because that's mathematically uh, specific. But all these different factors come into account. It is possible for something like a, a balloon to float in Venus or on Venus in its atmosphere, right? And in that case, if you were floating on the atmosphere, you would rather be above the cloud tops of Venus than above the cloud tops 
of Titan, because then you would have more buoyancy because of the the, the pressure. No, but but how about just my own strength to fly just by you know put on some wing looking appendages, right? Like right. like. Uh, like like no, all those old, old 1918 the, the, films where they all, show guys trying fi- to jump all off those of a guys cliff. right <laughs> if they want a different yeah, planet yeah. with a thicker atmosphere i bet some of them would have flown mm-hmm. away they probably would have some of them might have been successful but again the only problem is that everything else has to be adapted accordingly right if your wings get crushed and shredded because of the pressure before you even get down there uh, that's going to be a very icarus like yeah, situation yeah. but in the opposite I, direction i, I just I'm just picturing a guy falling from a cliff, flapping his arms, going, if only I had a uh-huh. You really think those were his last words, yeah. Jack? <laughs> it's probably, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more Star Talk Sports Edition Cosmic Queries. Kind of a grab bag, but it's about, it's about, it's about athletics in space. And But when we come back, let's talk about sort of more exotic things here on Earth. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Thank you. 
We're back. Star Talk, Cosmic Queries, Sports Edition. And we're just talking about sports and space and on Earth and all the ways that the laws of physics dictate what you can and cannot accomplish. And I've got with me Chuck, Chuck Nice. Uh, Amen. And Gary O'Reilly. I know. And I got my uh, resident geek in chief, Charles Liu, who's got his yes. own sort of fan base within the Star Talk fan base. I mean, oh, the without people, a doubt. Told, yeah. there are people who are all into Chuck, Chuck Liu, yes. Charles Liu. Charles, oh, that's I, right. I, 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 sorry, if I say Chuck, I really probably mean Chuck Nice, but occasionally a Chuck slips mm-hmm. out when I'm talking to you, Charles. So just. Just yes, a, I know. I know. I mean, my Twitter handle is at Chuck. Lee. Oh, it is okay. All right. Yeah. No yeah. Problem. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so let's keep going. Yeah. We've got so, uh, these are Patreon members, sort of exclusive questions that they get to ask. So, uh, who, who's up next? Um, this is Violetta, your number one fan. She's an astrophysics fan and she's a sports fan. She's she's asking about the two main types of muscles: fast twitch, slow twitch. Mm-hmm. Fast twitch are good for quick bursts of energy, like sprinting, and slow twitch are good for endurance sports. Supposedly. People genetically have one or the other. So which one would be better for space travel? Also, and this is the kicker, P.S. I'm the fast twitch type. I can sprint from home to first base like you wouldn't believe. Whoa. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah, actually, most most baseball players are primarily fast twitch types because you, you have to be ready to move at any given time, and then move explosively when the opportunity mm. happens. So if I remember correctly, Violetta is indeed a, an excellent baseball player, so I'm not at all and surprised. And I think, Charles, there's a, there's, you do thing. get a combination, but then, then the majority yes. is one or the other, and that allows yes. you to... every yeah. muscle, every muscle has a mixture. And in fact, uh, the slow and fast twitch, uh, the fast twitch muscles, so-called themselves, are actually divided into two kinds as well. The type one we call the slow oxidative, mm-hmm. and then the type two. There's a two A fiber, which is a fast oxidative and glycolytic uh, yeah. fiber, and then there's a two X, which is just fast glycolytic fiber. So, what does all that mean? Uh, the what, like, of, all right. So, does that mean I can run? Oh. <laughs> do you tell me the fast twitch yeah. fibers have slow twitch fibers in them? Uh, no, each muscle has a number of fibers. I got you. And the combination the of mixture fast of those and two. slow, Got it. Uh, that's right, is is where you wind up with your particular right. brand of fast twitch. And for people social. who have yeah. an equal amount, they just sit around and do nothing. Because <laughs> they can't do <laughs> They're like, I can't go fast, I can't go slow, I'm just on the couch. So now I have to eat potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the perfect mixture no, is good both. for the thumb on the remote control, right? It's just right. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You what well, the actually uh, the so folks like who do triathlons, right? right? Um, they are of course are are slow twitch supposedly because everything is an mm. endurance sport. But I could imagine a sport in space someday where you combine slow and fast, where you have to do both kinds of things, like run the equivalent of some sort of marathon and then quickly sprint. And, and then shoot a gun, and then, and then throw a discus. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, that's <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's biathlon. That's, uh, that's, that's decathlon. But I mean, we have but, uh, we have those right. sort of sports right now. If you think about basketball, if you think about soccer, they're explosive. Oh, that's but true. They're over an extended length of time, and you you don't get breaks. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have a combination of that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a uh, lucky yeah, for so. Violetta. Yeah, yeah, but, but Charles, wait, Charles, we always, any yes. anytime anyone has portrayed people in space, 
everything is kind of in slow motion. Slow motion. Right? Yeah, and you need that Strauss waltz to carry you through that. There is no fast twitching going on in space. So what's up with well, that? Or is that just our, our, well, how we imagined it? The, the re, again, because we don't have to push against gravity, we don't have to sustain any muscular activity, um, right? You produce a burst of And then of everything impulse, flows out of that. And then you oh, don't do anything. Right. right, so you feel like you're not doing anything. Right. So the answer to Violetta's question specifically is, and, and Violetta, one of these days, please tell us how, whether we should pronounce it Violetta or Violetta, because, you know, it, it matters. Um, we want to get it right. The answer to your question, Violetta, is that because everything matters as far as fast twitch uh, and the impulse, and then what you do with that impulse after you stop the impulse, fast twitch people are definitely better at space sports than slow twitch people. That would be my And, and just to be clear, just to, to highlight what Charles just said, all right, and and Gary, here's just something interesting to know. In mm. soccer, you can explosively go from like zero to sort of high speed. In space, you just have to do that once at the beginning, and you just float the rest of the way at that same speed. Whereas you're always overcoming the fact that you're slowing down because you're there's friction yeah. between you and the road, and you need at, to change the direction at, and, and all the other. Things. Change direction is another sort of point of acceleration. Char Charles, tell us about acceleration going from zero to some speed that you didn't have before and acceleration changing direction. Just put that on the, on a table here for us. Well, when you are speeding up, right? Acceleration or slowing down deceleration, physicists normally just call deceleration negative acceleration. So you're just moving back and forth depending on that. Now, when you are going from no speed to a new speed, right? Uh, that is actually a quick burst of energy. And what you're doing is you're changing your net momentum. So you're exerting a certain amount of acceleration over a certain amount of time. And, and force times time, right, is what we call impulse. It's a version of momentum. And so when you're trying to accelerate from zero to something, it's how fast you can exert the force and for, you know, how long a period of time that determines how fast you get to when you get to the zero to the and one. And I'm fast. Mm, I tell you I'm fast. <laughs> I, turn out the, I turn out the lights and I'm in the bed before the room gets dark. Mm. <laughs> you float like a butterfly and sting like ah, a bee. Rumble, young man, rumble. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Charles, I wanted you to t talk about what it means for acceleration to also refer to a change in your direction. Oh, that's true. Um, when you're going around in a circle, for example, you could be going at the same speed, but because you're changing direction every moment, you are experiencing an acceleration. Uh, we physicists, as you know, Neil, uh, think of acceleration as a change both in how fast you're going and what direction mm -hmm. you're going. And so as a result, you have to take both of these things into account. If you're out in space, you kick off, you're in one direction, and unless you can push yourself or kick off in some other direction, uh, you're going to stay in the same Forever. direction moving. In right. that straight line, yeah, until you are acted upon Something by else. some force. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have yeah, to lose yeah, the mass. Yeah, yeah. You, or, mm -hmm. or get help from something bigger that has mass. Like, right? Isn't that, isn't that what you guys well, call yeah. a slingshot? Uh, gravitational, gravitational flybys, for that's example. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. right. You'd have to come really close to a planet or something and come at just the right velocity and 
you know, you have to move the speed and direction such that you don't get captured by the object. But this is like planetary billiards. <laughs> Do a three cushion. Oh, something. Speaking of a yeah. new sport, <laughs> gravity yes! assist. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Would, See what size? What size would, would you? Cool. What, how small could you make objects like that, and and then have that sport? Would it have to be planets? Whoa. Well, you, you kind of need really okay. large amounts of mass, right? So you might need like white dwarf star or neutron star Damn. material. Well, that's, yeah. That well. are encapsulated. And that would allow you to produce enough gravitational effect within, say, the space of a typical football That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, how about this then? Back to magnets. How about you have like a game like billiards where the idea is to... Uh, transfer energy by colliding the balls so that they actually end up hitting a magnetic pole and that's how you sink it into the pocket. Instead of a pocket, it's the pole and you have to, uh, would that work? Or would it be something like if you hit it on the wrong angle, like it would just go off Forever, you'd be like, look at that, I lost another ball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Electromagnetic force follows the inverse square law, just like gravity does. So it is mathematically appropriate if you use magnetism or some sort of electrostatic repulsion or something like that to mimic the behavior of what gravity would do to us here on Earth. That would be perfectly acceptable. The challenge is that here on Earth, because we're all on the surface of the planet, we all experience the same gravitational acceleration to very, very uh, nearly identical amounts. So whether I'm at the uh, end zone or whether I'm at midfield, I'm still experiencing 9.8 meters per second squared acceleration. If you're using electromagnetic stuff, as soon as you move some distance, you're going to wind up feeling a difference in the amount of force because your source is so concentrated compared with the Earth, which is so broad compared to our football or or our sports arenas. Mm, Cool. Mm. Interesting. All right. Well, give me some more questions. All right. This one is from Roman Prukup. And Roman says, hey, Gary, do you Mm -hmm. think it's possible to improve the shooting speed by engineering materials on football shoes similar to how we have improved shooting strength with hockey sticks? Are you sad you didn't experience these impacts of science in your active career? Mm. Mm. In other words, bro, are you... Are you sad you're old? <laughs> you're, you're an old fart. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, bro, you're like too old to have technology in your sports. So, yeah. like, <laughs> that's why we had leather helmets, you know. <laughs> See, I, I don't think we can get a, a kick point in a boot like you have in a hockey stick, in an ice hockey stick. And, but although that just increases the speed and the power immensely, what I could imagine is something that we've discussed from time to time, and why. It, Major League Baseball doesn't have aluminum bats. I said it for you uh, because the exit velocity is so, so fast. But if you put something that's lightweight and strong, maybe like aluminum or a ceramic plate in, in, the, in a kicking position on the foot, maybe you could improve the exit velocity off the foot. Wait, Charles, or Charles. Maybe you-, you break your instep. <laughs> break or break yeah. someone's shins if you miss the ball. Exactly. Charles, let me ask you. If, is, is Gary right here? Do you want your shoe to be more rigid? Or do you want it to have some kind of a springy, textured skin so that mm-hmm. there's like a double sort of springiness 
to when your foot makes contact with the ball. Which of those would be better? It depends on whether you want force or control, yes. right? Speed or control. Uh, this is true for any material. If you have a longer contact time, mm -hmm. you can impart to it more force, right? Because the maximum amount of force that you can produce per given unit of time, uh, you multiply that by more time, you wind up with more okay. net force mm -hmm. or impulse, mm -hmm. as we were talking about, going out, right? But the problem is the longer the contact happens, the more the ball and your foot have to interact with one another, thus creating sort of micro forces or directional changes that are beyond your control, things that are not. Oh, so the instant your foot touches the ball is not the instant the ball leaves your foot. So you'd have to recalibrate what that all of that would mean. Ooh. That's right. Yeah, what it would mean in, in soccer specifically is that you wouldn't want to pass off of that because if you passed off of that part of your shoe, then you don't know as well where the ball is going to go. But if you were shooting with that part of the shoe, that would be to your favor because it'd be like kicking the ball on the valve mm. and the keeper would not have any idea where the ball's so going get because there's so effect. much sort of... But when you're yeah. passing so to I your friends, you, you end about. up just screwing up. <laughs> Damn it, Ronaldo! <laughs> How many times are you going to do that? So Jeez! They, they, they pay you all this money to give the ball to their opponents? <laughs> Damn so they Chuck. did some years ago. Adidas brought out a, a, a range of boots, cleats called the Predator. And it had these rubberized areas on, on certain parts of the boot that would allow for more contact, as you just described, Charles, and therefore allowed for accuracy. Now, you can't change your footwear. That sounds like game. cheating to me. No, that sounds like it, there's, less, there's less slippage between your yeah, foot saying, and the ball. Yeah, that's gripping so, the ball. Yes, yeah, gripping so the ball. Get, right, right. So if you get grip on the ball, I can now rotate that ball better. So imagine, yeah. a, imagine table tennis bats with stippling. Nice. On one side. That yeah, we call them paddles here. This is America, Jack. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the word bat is for base freaking ball, Okay. <laughs> Table tennis. <laughs> or cricket. Or cricket. Someone got out of the wrong side of bed, didn't they? <laughs> this is America, Jack. We <laughs> sent you back on the next boat. <laughs> oh, I don't even get a plane, I get a boat. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Olympics are starting soon. Uh, I can't do can't that. Do All right. I just have to uh, get my America chops going. All right, let's get, uh, let's get another question. We've got a couple of minutes left in this segment before we get to like the philosophy of it all in our third segment. So, uh, right, let's, let's uh, find another question. Who's next here? All right, Eric Varga. You've mentioned this previously in a tweet a few years ago where you said a winning overtime field goal was likely enabled by a third of an inch deflection to the right caused by the Earth's rotation. The Coriolis effect. Thank Coriolis. you very much. So paying attention in class. I was wondering, and this is interesting, is there an ideal directional orientation for football stadiums? And could that take full advantage of this effect from Earth's rotation? So when I, when I did that calculation, I didn't trust my answer. And I sent Charles Liu an email. And I said, Charles, I want to post this. Did I do this right? All right, this is, this is the double checking that happens always in science. If you get a result that like no one had thought about before, or is it a little weird? Maybe you didn't do it right. Did you carry the two? And so Charles gave me the Charles Liu seal of approval. I went with the number. I made the assumption, what wasn't an assumption, it was true for that stadium, that the stadium was oriented precisely north-south. And so my sense was that you get maximal Coriolis deflection 
if you did that. But then, Charles, you told me that it doesn't have to be north-south. It could. I don't see how you get a Coriolis circulation if it's east-west. It depends on how far directly east-west. If you're exactly east-west, then you're not going to get a deflection from that particular, the, the east-west rotation of the Earth. Yeah. Right? But it's all a matter of where you are. The problem is when you kick a ball, right, you're not always kicking it directly exactly even. There is wind. Oh, yeah, of course. Wrong. No, no. All there's other things all being other equal, things. all I said right. was right. All other things that the rotation of the Earth influenced the path of the ball. All other things being equal. And it Correct. only matters yes. because the ball hit the freaking upright. And you have a round ball yep. hitting a yep. cylindrical pole, fractions of an inch, as any baseball player knows, can make a big difference in the in the in the in the resulting reflected direction. That's right. That's right. So, no, you're completely correct that going due north-south, perpendicular, the closer to perpendicular you are to the rotation of your frame, the more of the Coriolis okay. effect the object... So the answer to this is... But you don't have to be put exactly... All sta if you, if, <laughs> put all stadiums exactly north-south. Exactly north-south. Right. And then try not to ever kick to the right side of the center. Because then the Coriolis force takes you out of the game rather than into the game. All right. So that doesn't matter which direction on the field you're kicking. No, so each direction it deflects to the right. Okay. It, de right. it deflects interestingly, right? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. So in the northern you want hemisphere, to put all your stadiums on the equator. Too. In, in, the, yeah. in the northern yeah, hemisphere, yeah. it'll always de right. deflect to the right. And the equator, there's no, yep. you got nothing. <laughs> yep. And then when you're in the southern hemisphere, everything. I'm other just going to I'm going to go out on a limb here and say any GM picking a kicker based on this. <laughs> <laughs> may not may not hey. be too good at his job. <laughs> yeah, may, may. We we got a lot of sabermetric type things going on in sports these days, right? <laughs> exactly. they're, they're trying to parse, yeah. you know, tiny I can tell you this, if your ball yeah. bounced off the upright and went left and not score versus in and do score, and that and and a big game was on the line there. You're going to be wishing you had the laws of physics in your favor from the Coriolis there force. You go. True. And it's isn't so sabermetrics true. all about the tiniest little things that can influence the probabilities yep. of what's happening? Yep, that's right. And the statistics of them trying to squeeze knowledge about the sport activity. From the numbers, just from the data, data that yeah. come from a whole that. other thing. Yeah. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll try to think philosophically about all of the science that's going on in sport. And there's a question that I think I saw there about spitting on your hand when they want to throw the, the the baseball. And wouldn't that give you less grip rather than more grip? I want to make sure. I want to lead off with that when we come back on Star Talk Sports Edition. Grab bag the physics of sports on Earth and in space. Star Talk. Hey, let's give a Patreon shout-out to the following Patreon patrons. See nasty. I'm just reading them. Jillum Dixon and Aiden Hahn. Thank you so much for your support, guys. What would we do without you? We certainly wouldn't make a show this good. And for anybody else who would like their very own Patreon shout-out, please go to patreon.com slash startalkradio and support us. <laughs> We'll be right back. 
We're back, Star Talk Sports Edition. Cosmic grab bag, but it's really the physics of sports on Earth and in space. I got Charles Liu. Charles, you're tweeting at Chuck Nice. I'm sorry. It's not yes. gonna be wow. Like no I'm wonder. Sorry. Well, sorry. No wonder I'm having a problem with Twitter. <laughs> at Chuck, at Chuck Liu. Yes. C-H-U-C-K-L-I-U. Okay. So I hope I didn't uh, disappoint people who nope. asked Chuck Nice questions. <laughs> <laughs> no. Chuck Nice can answer my questions just as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Now, that was the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Chuck Liu, L-I-U, and... Uh, Chuck Nice Comic. We got Thank you, you on Twitter there. Yeah. Yeah. That's and right. My Three Left Feet. Yes. Does it have the my in there? My Three Left Feet. Yes. Okay. So I assume you're right footed. So this means you're you're clumsy. It's like a dig on your own coordination. Yeah. Is that right? It, totally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're not you're not saying that secretly you're another species, right? Of human, right? No, okay. I, I, I have never been that clever. Okay. All right, let's pick this up. We, we got a question that are more philosophical this segment, but I want to go back. Uh, someone had asked a question about uh, spitballs, I think. So who, who who carried that? Which one of you? Okay, uh, let me jump in here. Uh, go for Richard it. L. Sanders. Uh, why does a baseball player spitting on his hands improve his grip? Oh, his hands, not, not just the yeah. pitcher. Okay. Instead of lessening his friction. Thank you. Big fan of the show. Well, you're welcome, Richard. Hope this is the answer you're looking for. Yeah, Charles, this is a mystery to me. It's always been a mystery. Plus, yeah. plus, why would you want to hock a Louis on your palm, yeah. right? There, There is a difference here. We're conflating two things, I believe. One is the spitball, mm -hmm. right? Which is where you're spitting, you're pitching, you're spitting on the ball, you're trying to get it as wet yeah. as possible. So when you throw it, then it winds up with weird aerodynamics and the person who hitting it has a So it, it winds up with aerodynamics that not even the pitcher can predict. So nobody knows what it's That's doing right. at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like a knuckleball okay. on steroids, right? That's the first thing. So that's now outlawed. The last person thought to have ever thrown a spitball in legal competition was Satchel Paige because he was grandfathered in and allowed to pitch it until he mm. retired. And maybe but nobody wanted to idea, hit that ball because it was nasty. No, they did <laughs> not. Nasty. They did no, not. No, no, yeah. they face did he just spit on that <laughs> ball? <gross>. Ew. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but the, the idea of spitting on your hands is very wait, 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 and, and Chuck, why Chuck. you would... <laughs> And there they are invoking the grandfather clause on black people once again. This is once again. <laughs> <laughs> but this time it helped him out. Very okay, harsh. fine. Right. Satchel Page uh -huh. from the Negro Leagues, uh -huh. then who yeah. made it into the That's majors right. yeah. for That's right. One of the great pitchers yeah. of all time. Um now uh, the the reason people spit in their hands to grip a ball yeah. is a completely different thing. That's more akin to someone getting a paper towel damp before wiping a table of crumbs. Mm. The idea of a little bit of moisture increasing the ability to connect has to do with static electricity, right? The, the reason dust's clickings to a wall, for example, is static electricity. And, and if it's dry and has enough static there, then you can't get the friction necessary to grab the ball. It's a surface effect. So you're not trying to coat the ball and coat your hands with fluid so that they're slippery. But instead, you're adding that little extra bit of moisture that gets the dry stuff off of the ball and your hand so that you can grip it better and oh. thus be able to throw it. Okay, now how about, was it, uh, was it Poppy? Who's the one who spit into his hands when he had hitting gloves on? That, that, it's like, you, dude, <laughs> yeah. these are like soft leather gloves. Now you're spitting on that on top of uh -huh. that? What, what, what mm. are you doing? 
I I, I think Big Poppy did that. Big Poppy. Big Poppy. Wow. Well, it, you, in, in all fairness, about, uh, he just hated those uh, gloves. <laughs> <laughs> my my guess there is that maybe there was a, a mental process where if you, I don't know, have you ever like know the difference between wet leather and dry leather? They, they yeah, they do. Actually, you know, now that you say that, well, wet, so, wet leather so grips better. Charles, it's really true. Yeah. If, you, if you're trying yeah. to open a can of something and you have like a, a, a dish towel, it's way more effective if it's slightly damp than if it's completely dry. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I think maybe that's, that's what's uh, okay. what going on All right. there. All right. All right. Um, so even on yeah. leather, a little bit of moisture can make it, a difference. Here's in the, the problem with Big Poppy spitting into the gloves. He hits a home run and then wants to high-five me around the base. Ew! No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> You got to have your, you got to have your wet mic. Here you go. Here you go. (laughs) You get an elbow, big boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, let's go on with some of these philosophical questions. What do we have there? Who's next? Uh, Right. Here we go. Uh, Sam Couch. Uh, Will there ever be a point when humans reach a fastest possible time? In other words, Will there ever be a point in sports where no more world records could be set because humans have reached the lowest possible time, assuming you can finish a race in zero seconds? When that happens, how will timed sports progress? Ooh. So what, will we keep diminishing time for the 100 meters, the 1500 meters? Until it's done in zero seconds? Is that, <laughs> is that the question? That may, that Until Usain Bolt finishes this right. race yeah. in he's the instant the day, the day before he started it. Yeah, he's there before he left. Um, I, I just think it's that point where are we capable of diminishing our world records substantially anymore? Well, let me, I'll, I'll lead off with this, but I want to hear Charles's response. Mm. You know, you remember the Banneker Mile, right? This is, when, when was this, 80 years ago or so? You Roger Roger, Bannister. Sorry, Bannister, Bannister, the Bannister Mile. Bannister, yeah. Where... There's no one will ever run a four minute mile or beat a four minute mile. And they're talking about the physiology and everyone because no one was doing it. And so the urge to think you've hit some limit, I think, is very strong within us. Yet that has never seemed to be the case in reality. So, Charles, what's your reflection on the limits of world records? I do believe that it's possible we are reaching some sort of asymptotic limit, right? Where at, there is some point beyond which we simply cannot exceed. However, I don't know what that limit is. We humans, uh, I think the Roger Bannister example is excellent. There are other uh, limits that supposedly humans could never and By the way, when, if I remember well. correctly, when he finished the mile in under four minutes, didn't he bring two other people with him under four minutes? Uh, I don't know if that happened in that one race, but within uh, a year, many other people had broken. Because because the, because the mystique was so, gone. Whoa! That's right. So we've yeah. got the same thing with the so two-hour think- marathon now, haven't we? Is it Kip Koji? Surprisingly enough, Kenyan runner. Um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, um, they seem to own the marathon these days. Uh, yeah, that, to break two hours for a right. marathon. The, I mean, that, that was basically the holy grail, but that seems, it's not official yet because it's not been done in a race mm-hmm. or with sanctioned shoes, but uh, it seems like it's doable, as it were. 
So, so we could get to a limit someday, but I am not going to make a prediction as to what that limit is. In and Gary has made sure that a lot of our sh- programs, our sports edition shows, have focused on improving human athletic performance, but not just who's going to work out harder, but it's what kind of technologies are brought to bear, what kind of nutrition, what kind of maintenance of your physioskeletal system that you are maintaining. So... I, it could be that we have to start going in these other directions. It's not just and I, it's not just psychological, and it's not just who's working harder. And I think if we ever do reach a limit, like it's at just a, a tap out point, then what we'll do is turn to uh, augmentation, so that we can break it, and then they'll accept that. That'll be more acceptable. As long as it's in the rules. As long as it's within the rules. Charles, here's what... I thought about this when I saw swimming records getting broken with such frequency. And I said to myself, this can't keep happening at, at this rate. And then I realized how you do this, okay? This is how you do it. So swimming used to be time to a tenth of a second. All right, now it's to a hundredth of a second. So maybe future world records, you need to track a thousandth of a second. And then world records beyond that, a ten-thousandth of a second. And we'd all be celebrating, oh, you beat him by three ten-thousandths of a second, whereas that was not even measurable decades ago by the, by the stopwatches that were used. And so you can still set world records, but you'll do it asymptotically. It's you're approaching whatever that limit is. We don't know what it is, but each next increment is littler than the previous one. What do you think of that, Charles? That may happen someday. It just hasn't yet. Well, we, we are measuring swimming in hundredth of a second. We are measuring swimming, yes, but the records are still being broken by approximately the same. Oh, was that right? I didn't check that. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, we could break them asymptotically if we're actually reaching the asymptote, but we're not okay. there yet. We just it. aren't. Going to your point, Chuck, if we had ligament replacement, <laughs> okay, right, right, not, okay. The man who's been injured more than all of us is always talking about wanting to be the no, bionic so, man. No, no, it's not. But you see, you're not going in there to repair damaged ligaments. You're going in there to get stronger ligaments. Therefore, you're able to put more muscle in there. You're able to generate more power if that is what you need to do. And therefore, you may be able to enhance your performance. And this, I don't know if that is within the regulations or whether that would seem like a body doping. I said full body prosthetic. <laughs> What's that arm still doing here? <laughs> Gary just, Gary went RoboCop. He totally, he told he went all RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> that was a line in RoboCop. Lose the arm. We lose thought we arm. could keep, we could, we, no, lose the arm. That was like. I said full body prosthetic. Lose the arm. Yeah, that's the bad guy said that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Super cool. All right, give me some work. We blew a lot of time on that one, but it was an important point of philosophy there. All right, what else do we have there? Here's one for Gary. Hunter Q-Tone says, yo, yo, keep it hot. This one is for Gary the man. In international football, how come the United States fails to produce high-level male soccer players? Our women consistently prove themselves and compete to the best. How come we are having trouble creating a USA World Cup team of men that can achieve what the women have already achieved? NBA has international programs. Does this have anything to do with producing great players? Gary, why do American men suck at this? Okay, go they on. Don't, that's just it. <laughs> and yet, that paid more than the women. Is that still well, the that's, case? That, 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 yeah. But that's a conversation okay. yes. for another time. Otherwise, we will be on this podcast yeah. for the next six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. The U.S. men's national team are producing, this country is producing a lot of talent. And it's not just average. You've got players now in 
not just the big leagues in Europe, but the biggest clubs. You have Weston McKinney, who's playing in one of Italy's top clubs, Juventus. Oh, you're saying Americans are going abroad. The, our top Americans are competing abroad. That's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah because so why can't we gather? Why can't we staple them all back together here and then have a national team? You do. You bring them together for the national team events. But at the moment, you've got players. Uh, you've got Rainer, young guy, so talented. He's at Dortmund in Germany. You've got Christian Pulisic, who's in Chelsea in London. You have got all sorts of U.S. players out there. And when they bring them back, they bring back an extra level of knowledge. It, it goes through the coaching staff. And this is a process that's maybe a bit slower than Hunter wants. But I can tell you now, it is gaining momentum. It's gaining. So, so we have singularly really good players, but we don't have the depth yet to sustain that as in, with an interleague, with, with league Not play yeah, I mean, you've got one player, Jorginho Dest, who is playing in the first team at Barcelona alongside Lionel Messi. You're getting there. It's just okay. maybe not as quick as some people want. All right. All there right. you go. You well, stay at it, America. <laughs> You'll make it happen. Eventually. Okay. Eventually. Guys, we got to call it quits there. Charles, right. give, me, give me some final reflection here to send us out. Okay. We've been talking a lot about performance enhancement, right? And also in the previous segment, Chuck was talking about feeling about cheating. And I think it's important for us in this overall philosophical idea to, to realize that we often use the term performance enhancement to euphemize cheating. You can enhance your performance all you want as long as it's within the rules, both the spirit and the letter. But the moment you're actually going outside the rules, then that's just cheating. We shouldn't call it performance enhancing. So some, let's say yeah. somebody is caught for a performance enhancing drug, just say, they used an unallowed drug, they cheated. And that's the kind of philosophical idea, the, the difference, I think, Gary, between the performance enhancement and Chuck, what you were talking so about. So I go to the gym, I'm performance that, enhancing. I swap out my Achilles tendon with, with carbon nanotubes <laughs> and, I'm, yeah. and I'm cheating. And you're cheating. Yeah. And you're cheating, right. Unless the right. rules allow it. If the rules allow it, then fine, go for it. But if you don't, don't try to tell me, oh, it's just performance enhancement. No, tell me it's whether cheating. it's cheating, it's, or, not cheating. or not cheating. That's all. That's Chuck, my take. Char Charles, you you said it right, and it's I don't think honest. I think that's unassailable. <laughs> uh, wisdom, insight, and advice to us all. Oh, well, hey, uh, thank you for having me. It's Always good. We got to get you more. I miss you. We got to get you more back on here. All right, all right, too. guys. We got to call it quits there. Chuck, nice. Goodbye, goodbye to you. Thanks. Then Gary O'Reilly. And as always, uh, Charles Liu, our resident geek expertise expert. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. As always, keep looking up. Thanks for listening.